0: have our guest here with us. Thank you so much for joining with us. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God. And and we're just uh, here thankful for what God has done and what he's doing. And I know everybody's curious about what the the clock is. I think it'll become quite clear in just a moment. Hallelujah. So 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, we're going to read a couple verses here. Then we're going to jump over and read a couple more verses uh, in verse 7 through 9. But it says, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, people who make a mockery of the Word of God, God and church, because they're walking after their own lust, and they say... Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers, in the last days they're going to say, since the fathers, the apostles, fell asleep or passed away, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. If we can hop over to verse 7 says, but the heavens and the earth, this is now Peter offering a response to those scoffers and to us today. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store or reserved, held in its place, not able to move forward unto the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. There's something that's holding back the judgment of God. Verse 8, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and thousand years as one day. He's saying that to to show us his timeline is different than our timeline, right? Right? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His timeline is different than our timeline. Verse 9, and this is where I'd like to really preach from today. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, the promise of coming back and taking us into the heavens. He's not slack concerning that promise. As some men would count slackness, but is long-suffering to us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How beautiful. Today I want to preach to you for a little while, as long as my body will give me strength. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you on this topic. What is God waiting on? What is God waiting on? Is this all right today? Can I, can I get a smile? Hallelujah from everybody. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Brother Louise gave me a smile and a hand raised. Praise God. So I know he's happy. How about we go to the Lord in prayer? Let's ask God to speak to us. Let his spirit flow in this place. Lord, we're so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for your presence. Lord, you've already encouraged me so much in this place. If nobody else, I appreciate your word. I appreciate, God, you ministering to my heart. And I ask you, God, right now to speak through me. Help me to communicate this effectively and efficiently to this congregation. I pray that the church would be moved to action today, and I pray that the sinners would be move to repentance today. I pray, Lord God, that you would show us and reveal to us your grace and your mercy in this house. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody shout amen. Now, I'm a little weak in body today, so I ask you to preach with me. Is that all right? Can you do that? God bless you. You may be seated. Now if you've been familiar with church, uh, you probably even as a child recognize the idea that Jesus is coming back. Even as a child, if you were anything like me, you'd gone to church, had parents who were Christians, you knew Jesus is coming back for his saints, right? The Bible communicates it. Over and over and over again. I remember being a young child, probably about 10 years old, and having this idea, it seemed like a constant threat. Jesus is coming back. And that's okay for us to have that mindset. The Bible, over and over again, communicates it with such urgency, right? The Bible communicates it as he's coming back as a thief in the night. He wants us to feel a little on edge at all times, that Jesus could come back any moment. I remember as a child, uh, I believe I had stepped into the restroom for a moment, and when I walked out, I started walking around looking for everybody. Like, where is everyone? And, you know, again, probably 10 years old, mom, dad? Dad? Nobody was there. I stepped in the restroom. I came out, and everybody vanished. Then it hit me. (gasps) Oh, no. Jesus came back when I was in the restroom. I started running around frantically trying to find random pieces of clothing on the ground. (laughs) Where are they? I went into the living room. I fell down on my knees. Oh, God, give me another chance. And about that time, my whole family that for some reason stepped outside to look at something came walking in with me on my knees with tears streaming down my face. Aaron, are you all right? God, thank you. You gave me another chance. (laughs) As a child, it's such a fearful thing. Of course, as you grow older, that fear, that intensity, that urgency can sometimes diminish as we go through the cares of life. We go to work day after day. Got to make dinner. You know, got to go to church. Got to do all these things. The cares of life, the things we do just on a daily basis, you sometimes can lose the urgency let me tell you, brothers and sisters, we still got to have the urgency. we still got to recognize that Jesus is coming back, and he could come back at any moment. But that urgency usually would flare up whenever you'd hear of something, right? For me, almost every time I hear the news, I start thinking, okay, Jesus, you're coming back soon. <laughs> because it's quite obvious. You start hearing the wars, You start hearing of these things. You start thinking, all right, this is it. God has to be coming back soon. And I remember as a child having those thoughts. Okay, God's coming back. I became a teenager, and I I started living for God. At 14 years of age, I turned my life around, started living for God, became a preacher, started studying Scripture. At 14, I said, all right, God's coming back. It's any minute now. I'm not even going to have to worry about getting married because God's coming back, right? (laughs) It's coming any minute. Why? Because I could see the signs in the world. Then I became a young adult, met my wife. All right, God, thank you for giving me time to get married uh, before you came back, right? Hallelujah. Praise God. I mean, there's some young guys in this place right now. That might be their prayer. Maybe that's why God hasn't come back, I'm not going to name any names. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Just wait until I get married. Don't worry. I I, I may have prayed that once or twice. Hallelujah. But then I got married, and it hit me, and I realized. I looked at the world again with fresh eyes, and I said, God is coming back. I don't know. My wife wants to have kids. I don't even think we're going to make it. Then we had our first child enjoy them while you got them. God's coming back. Any moment now, God's coming back. And then we had our second kid. That's where the story ends. Don't worry about it. Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, but early 20s, God's coming back. Late 20s, God's coming back. Early 30s now. Yes, I'm, I'm still early 30s. I'm blessed with youth. But even now, you look in the world and you say, God's coming back. But we've seen the signs. It seemed obvious. But even as I've grown older, it became more and more obvious. Well, today, I can say the signs are more obvious than ever before, right? And we've been seeing that. It's a progression. But we thought they were done years ago. We didn't realize it could even get this bad, and we still are looking at the world and saying, God, you see all the signs, all these things. Where are you? Why haven't you come back yet? And I, as God dealing with me on this sermon, he brought me to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6. I felt like this so clearly described our day today. He says, and ye shall hear of wars. And rumors of wars—is that what we're hearing? We're, we're in constant threat of World War Three, constant threat of nuclear war. It's wars and rumors of wars. It's not ex- actually happening in some places. We're just hearing that it's going to happen. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's on edge. But he says this: "See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass." but the end is not yet. He says these things are going to happen in the world, but that's not the sign that I'm coming back. These things will happen, but these things will not introduce my return. And he continues, for nation shall rise against nation. That word nation actually means uh a uh, uh, races aren't we seeing that more today than we ever have in the history of our nation nation uh races rising against races, kingdom against kingdom there shall be famines pestilences pestilences means diseases then we just have one of the worst out spread spreading. Of COVID 19 and a disease in our world that just about shut down the entire globe. It's obvious the signs are there. There are worth earthquakes in diverse places. All these signs. But he says this in verse 8 All these are the beginning of sorrows. But that means the end is not yet. And we're looking around, we're saying, God, you see this is happening and that's happening. Where are you? God's saying, that's not the sign of my return. That's just a sign that it's coming close. But if you want a real sign, if you want to know what is the absolute marker for when I'm coming back, look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14. This is what he says. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then, at that point, that's the marker. That's when Jesus says, the end shall come. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That means I can look out in this world, and I can see all this stuff going on, and I can see all the signs, and it's as if we're sitting in the church just waiting. God, why aren't you coming back? Where are you, God? We are waiting on you, God. And this is what I believe God's saying. He's looking straight back at us. And he's saying, you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. He says, because I'm going to come back when this whole world has heard the gospel. He says, you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting for the church to mobilize and take up their Bible and go to every nation. I'm waiting until every soul has the opportunity to hear the gospel. I'm waiting until every nation, every city, every community has an opportunity to hear my word.
1: Oh,
0: Hallelujah. He says, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on the church to realize uh, there's a harvest out there. I'm not coming back uh, until the harvest uh, has been gathered. That's why Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he should send forth laborers. Why? Because the harvest, the fields are white and already ready for harvest. What he's trying to say is he's trying to say, you're not waiting on anything. If you want me to come back, if you want to shed your body, you want to take on a glorified body, you want to shed the tears and the pain, you want to come see me in glory, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go preach the gospel. I need you to go gather the harvest because I'm not coming back until every grain has been gathered. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not going to leave not one grain out there. I'm not going to leave not one weed out there. Not until every grain of weed has been brought in. Will I come back? Oh, somebody worship the Lord right now. Oh, God, help us to get a burden. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got a parable for you. Is that all right? Is it okay for me to give a parable? This isn't one that Jesus gave. This is one I made up myself. But I hope today it will convict us. There were two boys, two brothers, woke up early, found that their daddy was already out in the field gathering in the harvest. They looked around and said, well, man, he's out there. I, I thought today... We were going to spend time together. So they sat around the house, waiting and waiting for Daddy to come back. They went over to the window, got smudges all over the window. Is he here? Is he here? I don't see him. Can you see him anywhere? But they couldn't see him. Oh, I guess we better just go eat some breakfast. They stepped away, ate some breakfast, filled their belly. They heard a little noise outside. Huh? Oh, they ran back to the window. Is that daddy is he here? No. He's not here yet. We can't see him. When is he gonna get here? I'm getting tired of just sitting around and waiting. The boys tried to entertain themselves. They grabbed the nearest toys. They played for a moment. But they realized it just wasn't as fun as being with daddy. And in their waiting, as often happens, they began to bicker and fight over the toys. No, that's my toy. That one's your toy. I had the toy first. And they start pickering and fighting. And the longer they sat there waiting, the more they grew angry with one another. Finally, took a break, went and ate some lunch. After lunch, they went right back to that window, still a little angry with each other. At that point, though, their anger had tipped over and they began even to punch each other as brothers often do. They got angry. They started fist fighting. The mom walks in the room and says, what are you doing? And they say, well, he did this and this is happening and that's going on. And she says, why is that happening? So we're, we're just bored. When is daddy coming home? She said, Daddy, you know him. He's not coming home until every wheat in the field has been gathered. So if you want Daddy to come home soon, why don't you stop fighting over your toys and go out in the field and help him to gather the harvest? (laughs) Can I tell you the problem with waiting is that we, we become like those little boys. Hallelujah. Where we become angry with each other and impatient with each other and we just sit and huddle in the church and and that's my toy. No, that's your toy. No, that's my ministry. No, that's your ministry. That's my anointing. No, that's your anointing. I tell you, if we get out in the field, none of that will matter. Hallelujah. If we get out in the field, it won't matter who has this and who has that. All that will matter is bringing in the wheat, whatever we got to do to gather the harvest. Oh, would you stand to your feet right now and begin to say, God, help me to focus less on my own needs and to focus on the harvest. Help me to stop looking at my brother and sister, but help me to focus on the harvest, God. Oh, help me to stop focusing on filling my own belly. God, because when you come back, it doesn't matter how much money's in the bank. Help me, Lord, to focus on the
1: harvest.
0: Jesus, I had a dream. You could be seated. I had a dream about a month ago now. Some of you will remember I told you this dream. I don't claim that, that every dream I have, is of God. I hope not. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because I've had good and bad and everything. But I do know that there are times when God has spoken to me in dreams. About a month ago, I had a dream. In that dream, I was standing out in our front yard and I was looking around and I looked behind our house and I saw a giant tornado. I mean, just a giant tornado off in the distance. And that tornado was coming straight for me. As it got closer, I could see over top of that tornado an angel, an angel as large as a skyscraper, was up there, and he was twisting his hands like this. And he was causing that tornado to turn. He was causing a giant tornado, and it was coming straight for me. In the dream, I remember thinking to myself, this is it this is the end. This is when it all is going to be over. And I watched as that tornado came and it went right over me and then it passed. And I looked around and I got very confused. I said, I thought that was the end. My family came out and said, Dad, what what happened? My son said, Daddy, what happened? What, What was that? I said, I don't know. I thought it was the end, but it passed right by me and nothing happened. I ended up waking up from that dream. It was one of those dreams that felt so real. It bothered me for days. And actually here in one of our life groups, I believe it was, I believe it was Brother Victor and Brother Louise, maybe there's other people there, but I was telling them this dream because it was still fresh on my mind. As I I was telling them, I felt the Holy Ghost come over me, and God spoke to me, and he said, What you thought was the end was not the end. The tornado did not represent my return. The tornado represented the revival before my return. And he said, Before the world ends... And before this is coming to a close, he said, I'm going to bring a revival upon the world that the world has never seen before, even in the midst of the darkness, even in the midst of the pain. I'm going to bring a revival. Oh, let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, I want to be part of the revival. I want to be part of the revival. I want to be part of the revival in Stuart, Florida. I want to be part of the revival of Bruce and Lucy. And in Hope Sound and in Tequesta, in all of Florida, I want to be part of that revival. Oh, can you call on him right now? Bring revival, Jesus. Bring revival, Jesus. Blow once again on this world. Blow once again on this world, oh God.
1: Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh,
0: Somebody
1: get in the spirit right now. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah, come on, if you felt it like I felt
0: it. He's coming back. He's coming back. But before he's come back, we got to be part of the revival.
1: we got to be part of the revival. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Oh, no, 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 Oh, I feel the
0: witness of his spirit right now. Would you once again, I'm sorry, I'll preach the rest in just a minute, but would you just lift up your hands again? Lord, speak to me.
1: Lord, speak
0: to me. Lord, speak to me. me. Help me, Lord God. Give me a burden for the revival, Lord. Give me a burden for
1: the harvest, God. Oh, In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Oh, Jesus. In the Old Testament, we actually see a rapture take place. In Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24, it tells us, An Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. In the book of Hebrews, it says that God translated him. Very similar wording to the book of Revelations in the New Testament when it describes the rapture, Jesus coming back and taking us with him into the heavens. But in the Old Testament, we see it in the life of Enoch. Now, I'm not here to try to claim I have some in-depth knowledge as to why God raptured Enoch. But I can tell you some of the thoughts I've had in the past and how God revealed to me that I was mistaken. I've communicated it in the past and even have thought in the past, Enoch must have been just so holy and righteous that God took him. The Bible tells us that Enoch walked with God. Presumably it's talking about he walked with God with a perfect heart. And I've communicated in the sense of Enoch was just so good he didn't belong in this world anymore. And maybe that's true. Maybe I'm not mistaken there. But God opened my eyes and helped me to see this differently when I began to compare Enoch with another Bible story. Only one chapter later, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations and Noah walked with God. That is the same phrase in the Hebrew as it uses in 5.24 when it says Enoch walked with God. And as I began to look into this, I said, God, if Enoch walked with you And because of his perfect heart, you took him and you raptured him out of here. What happened with Noah? Noah, the Bible even talks greater about how righteous he was. He was a just man, a perfect man. Why would you translate Enoch out of here and not Noah? I can't claim one's better than the other, but absolutely not. One's not worse than the other. Why would you take Enoch and not Noah? And this is what God put in my heart. He said, Because I needed somebody to build a boat. <laughs> because I needed somebody to build a boat. I needed somebody. I've got a plan and a mission for somebody. You want to know why you're still sitting here today? You should have died a long time ago. God should have taken us out of here. But the reason we're here today is because God still has some work to be done. God still has a mission to put forward. There's a boat that needs to be built. Come on now, hallelujah. Because if they're going to be saved, God's designed it that the church... Is the one that's gonna do it. Hallelujah. Why am I still here? It's because I got a mission. Why am I still here? It's because I got a higher purpose. Hallelujah! I gotta put my hand to the work. I gotta build a boat. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I gotta build a boat. Come on, say it with some passion. I'm here because I gotta build a boat. Oh, hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, the scripture says. He was a preacher because he preached to everybody he could and told him, you got to get in the boat. You got to get in the boat. He told him. The time is so close. We're right. At midnight, and at midnight, it's all coming to a close. you got to get in the boat. Oh, I wish somebody would get that same passion, that same fear, not just for themselves, that they'd make sure they're in the boat, but they'd make sure their family's in the boat, and they'd make sure their neighbors are in the boat, and their coworkers are in the boat, and anybody I see on the side of the road, i got to make sure they're in the boat. We are never more like God than when we have a burden that says, "I've got to see the lost repent." Go ahead and throw up my, my passage of scripture in Second Peter, or first or second Peter, whichever one it is. First Peter. First Peter, three and 20. This is the same. Chapter, as we read, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's long-suffering to us, word. Same chapter, only a few verses later. Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, we're saved by water. Go ahead and go back. It says, "Go to verse 20. The long-suffering of God waited in those days. He could have caused the rains to fall at any point. but he waited. he knew there was only going to be eight souls saved. But he waited. I, I want us to read it in Genesis. Go ahead and throw up Genesis. Genesis 7:11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. Verse 13, In the self same day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of the son with him, into the ark. Verse 16, And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God hath commanded And the Lord shut him in. I always had it in my mind. Noah and his family were in the ark, safe and secure. And then all the winds came. And the the rains began to fall. And the fountains of the deep began to open. But the scripture says that actually happened first. Then Noah and his family went in the ark. And God, through his long suffering, can you imagine it with me? They've never seen rain before. Water's coming out from the deep. It's already beginning to grow puddles. And yet God is still holding the door open
1: on the ark. He says, I'm not going to close it.
0: Until the very last minute. I know they denied me before. I'm going to give them another chance. I know they said no before. But I'm going to give them another opportunity. He's suffering long. I don't know about you, but he had to suffer long with me. And here's what the church does. The church, they come one time and they leave and they don't come back. And we say, well, they must not have wanted it. When God is still out there reaching for them and loving them and drawing them. We go to
1: one door and they say, oh, not today. Oh, they must not want it. And God says, I still want them to come in. I'm going to leave the door open. As long as I must for them to
0: repent. Well, they didn't get baptized the first day they came. That's all right. Suffer long. Well, they didn't, you know, get rid of all the alcohol in the house. That's all right. Suffer long because God's suffering long for them. And can I communicate to you today? If you've got sin in your life, and if you know that you're not ready to see the Lord, I'm not going to bring to you the normal message. I believe we are right there. But I want to say to you, You should be thanking God that you still got another chance to repent. You should be thanking God that you had another opportunity to come to church. You should be thanking God for another day to get it right because it's the long suffering of God that's holding the door open and he's not going to end it. Brother, come on. Could you come up here real quick? Often we look at the clock and we say, well, why isn't it striking midnight? Hasn't it felt like this for a long time? Hasn't it felt like 11.59 for years now? If only we could see, won't you go and just put your hand on it like you're holding it. If only we could see the reason why this isn't moving is because the grace of God is giving you and I one more chance. Because he's not willing that any should perish. He wants you to make it to heaven. And He wants your co-workers to make it to heaven. And He wants your family members to make it to heaven. Hallelujah, can I tell you? It's the grace of God. That is holding it back. And I know we can have a discussion on the foreknowledge of God and how God has a time. I know God has a time, but in his foreknowledge, he knows the exact moment when the final person who will repent, repents. And if we're still here today, and if you're still here, it's because God says, I'm giving you just a little bit more room if we could stand today don't be mistaken just stand there for a moment don't be mistaken don't don't get like the scoffers don't look at god's forbearance god's long suffering and say oh it must all be just a joke it must not be real it must not be legitimate god must not really be coming back I could just go and do whatever I want to do and it's not going to matter because God's not coming back. Don't be a scoffer scoffer, and live for your flesh. No, look at it and say, God, he's not slack how we consider slackness but he's long suffering and the grace of God is giving me one more chance. Everybody say, The grace of God is giving me a chance. He's given me a chance. But we're not promised tomorrow. And life is but a vapor. The grace of God is here today. I don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow, but I know the hand of grace is on the clock, on the timeline. Hallelujah. You've got another chance to repent right now. You've got another chance to come down to this altar right now. You've got another chance to seek the Lord right now. Won't you come?
1: Won't you take advantage of it? Won't you step out and Say, yes, God, I'm not going to waste the time. That grace.